What are some pathways or helpful hints to help me, us, to move from judgment to acceptance, to see the oneness instead of duality? This is one of the most difficult things we will ever learn, seeing the duality as dissolved, as growing into one. What we do together is what counts. You'll see me now and then, as I did this morning, pick out some child and wave to them or something like that. I've done that all of my life. I want to have people open up and come to us, to be one, to share, to grow. And Gina's the same way. She's a sucker for a kid. I am. She has a couple of them, to, I, just to prove it. You know, <clears throat> hold that for you? I didn't, no, I just wanted the, I wanted the oh, words. Oh, you wanted to see it? Okay. It's so important to learn to open up, to pray. And that takes us to something we'll talk about again later. People have a trouble with the word sometimes, meditation. Meditation is a form of prayer. Meditation is a form of quieting down and listening. That's what we want you to do. Ask a question, listen, and don't, you know, well, I'll get into that later. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, and I, I, you know, I hadn't thought about it, but yeah, meditation is a great tool to move from judgment to acceptance, to see oneness instead of duality. When you focus on that conflict that is within you and allow a peace, not P-I-E-C-E, but peace, like no fighting, when you allow that to enter your heart, you begin to remove yourself from the conflict and see it in a different way. See, there's, there's only duality when you choose a side. Think about that. There is only duality when you decide this person's right and that one's wrong. When you have put yourself on a team and excluded another. So rather than taking a side and standing in solidarity with one and opposing the other, observe both. Observe being the key word. Observe both. Knowing that they are love. That they too are of God. And remove yourself from their conflict. It does not have to be yours. When you do that, you are observing oneness in their concept of duality. Thereby creating that idea for them. Perhaps even calming their waters a little bit. That's my thought. This started many years ago uh, before a man named Jesus, you may have heard of him, um, when his followers would go out with him and they would stop to pray. Others would join them, not because they said, <clears throat> we're going to have a meeting at 11 o'clock, you can be there by 11, you can have the tortillas. No, what happened was the people would come up and say, where are you going? Come and see. Come and see. That was the answer, and it meant join. Join and be as one. That's what we need to do. We don't need so many ridiculous decisions and chances going. We need to come as one, to be together and grow. That's what we're inviting you to. Okay, I'm pulling one out. This is a, this is a short one, I can tell, because I can't see the print through the paper. Have you heard a tree talk... 
All of nature speaks if you take the time to listen. And that's the truth. Everything living speaks if you take the time to listen. Do I mean that they're going to open up their mouths and speak like one of Jim Henson's creatures? No, because if they did, I would run. Frankly, that would be alarming, right? That would, that would kind of freak me out, I think. But if you listen to the quiet, if you feel the peace, if you feel perhaps... I don't know if you've noticed it. I know. In fact, I do. I do know you've noticed this. You can be with a tree and you can touch it and you can know that something is wrong. You can know that there is a health problem with that tree because you're listening with a whole different part of you. And you can know when something wonderful is about to happen around you. Right? How about you? Yeah. A bunch of years ago, Gina's mom and I were out. I don't think you were with us yet. Uh, out walking. And we were up in the hills, and where we were walking, there were a lot of hill trees that come up there. And we looked, and we thought, gee, how pretty. And we started to walk away. <laughs> and then Gina's mom heard somebody say, Hey! And she turned, and there was a little peach tree in the middle of all of these big forest trees. And it seemed almost happy to see her. And we went back and we gently dug it up and planted it in our yard where it grew and flourished and became a really happy tree until we started with the drought and the watering requirements and all. And finally it gave up and said goodbye. Listen when you're out there. You'll be amazed at what you'll hear. Now, you may not go as far as we do and listen to trees. But when they answer you or when they say something to you, you'll go, what have I been missing? It's wonderful. This is true. My mom's kind of magical. No, for real, she actually is. If anyone's met her, they'll tell you. She's kind of magical. For a girl. (laughs) (laughs) I know how to start fights right away. (laughs) If God is everywhere, why can't he or she just know what we want or need? My answer to that is very simple. God already knows what you want and what you need. You have to find it. That's why God grants you those periods of silence where you can stop and listen to the world and listen to the universe and listen to that still small voice within or listen to something around you go, hey! It's magic of a holy, holy kind. Yep, I agree with that. And I think, I think I'm going to go a step further with that um, in that if we are focusing on what we need, if we are focusing on the lack, I need this to happen... You are telling God, I'm looking at this thing, and if you take it away from me, this thing I'm looking at, I won't have anything to look at anymore. Right? So if you're focusing on the lack, if you are focusing on the thing that needs to happen, you're creating an obstacle for that to leave, that need to leave. Instead, focus on when this comes. I will. 
Focus on the after as though you're in it. Make plans for the after so that you're not looking at the lack in the now. Does that make sense? Yeah? Okay. Is it mine? Yep. My turn. I'm going to dig into the middle-ish. The light one. It's it's light-ish. Oh, okay. How does new thought explain the Holy Spirit is question A. What is the Holy Spirit and have you felt it? Question B. I'm going to answer the first one in um, how does new thought explain the Holy Spirit? There is a a handy-dandy little reference right back there on the table, which has quotes from the science of mind specifically about the Holy Spirit. Read up on that because we'll be up here all day (laughs) if we don't. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is that which catapults us into greatness. It is what catapults things into being. It is not an intelligence to me. It is the action. It is what makes the cool stuff happen. Right? I agree with that. And I I think one thing you'll notice too is as you start paying attention to that wonderful stuff going on around you and with you, you'll hear those quiet voices more often. And it's not like you're listening to somebody in a a church or any place else. It's deep within you. Mm -hmm. But it's clear and concise. It's kind of like, hey, listen. Be amazed at what you hear. It's pretty spectacular. You know, I forgot the other Uh-oh. part of that question. Have we felt it? Have you felt it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Describe it. I described one already. Give me another one. <laughs> there was a time uh, a little over 30 years ago was I was in a, a hospital, and I was in the hospital waiting for the birth of my daughter. And I waited for her to come, and I didn't know if it was going to be a boy or a girl for sure, because back then they weren't particularly concise. And I prayed, and I thought, and I thought, geez, what if I, what, what if I want, what if I girl? I, I don't know, and do I want a boy, or do I want a girl, or what do I want? And does it matter what I want, and what's God going to do in all of this? But then, that child was born. And I walked outside the delivery room as they were moving the child with my wife to a room. And I said, well, what do we have? (laughs) And the child said, a girl. You have a girl. It was this one. I've grown. It was (laughs) breathtaking to have that happen and to have it proved almost instantaneously. And everyone was joyously happy with it. I think that's one of the things that really demonstrates the spirit we're talking about now because it makes you so happy for what seems like every wonderful reason in the world or no reason at all. Having that life become yours. Having that life move up to you. Having that life say, I love you. Here, guard this for me. That's what we try to do. Yeah, it's definitely feeling the Holy Spirit. You remember that? Yeah. Well, yeah. no, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I'm sure somewhere in there it, it mm-hmm. exists, but no. Um, 
Have you guys ever been in the room and just felt that it was kind of uplifted? You ever felt that there was something special happening? Right? That is what I feel when I'm feeling the Holy Spirit. That's what that is to me. So the next time you feel that and you feel like that room is lifting up, remember that I said that and acknowledge it. See where it takes you. Is it my turn to draw or is it yours? Do you is remember? I don't know. I, we'll do it. Oh, we'll grab something in there anyway. Oh, I got two of them. Uh-oh. You can Which do one do you want? Ones. Well, I'll take this one. Oh, and I like this one because it's a great one to answer. Does Santa Anita Church have resources for grief counseling, living with illness, or other life challenges? Prior to COVID, yes, we did. And we're going to have them back again as we regrow. We're going to have a Life Lighters group going, which is a group to look after all the people of the church in all the different ways we need it. To be there to help you when something's bothering you. To, to be there to help you when someone passes away. To give them someone, to give you someone to talk to. To be there for you. That's what we need to do in our faith. It doesn't mean, yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to give you a house, so take mine. No, that's not it at all. It's helping a person get over the love tough spots, the bumps in the road. I told someone the other day, another minister, doctor, about things like this, and I said, you know, the thing people have to learn is when you're talking to someone, you don't have to have the answers. You have to have the ears. You listen to someone and let them talk and know that they're heard. Absolutely precious. And that's what God's trying to tell us with the Holy Spirit. Shh, listen. I think you summed it up. And if, if, <laughs> if in the interim, in that period of time when we don't have someone, if you really need to talk to somebody, give us a call. We're here. Okay? Okay, I'm going to reach in. I'm not going to pick the one that you put back. Uh, oh, oh. I hope. Maybe, I think. It's a big one. Big words. Uh-oh. How do I know that God has forgiven me for the things I've done in my past? Wow, that is a big question, and it's one of the toughest. It's one that a lot of us struggle with. Um, Mostly because we're still keeping track of these things we did wrong. It is we who are not forgiving ourselves. And I've come into this this question a, a lot of times with people who are who come from different um, religious backgrounds who have taught that that God must forgive you for your sins. Um, and I often come at it like this: how, how many of us are parents or a significant person in a child's life of some kind? If that child came to you and said, I totally messed up. I messed up and I'm sorry. Would you hold it against them? Nancy, hush. (laughs) Would you continue to be angry with them and berate them without end? Oh, you might get a little, little ticked. You might be irritated. You might give them an earful. A consequence 
for their error. Because that's what a sin is. It's an error. You missed the mark, right? You missed the mark. You oopsed. There are consequences for oopses sometimes. But once those consequences have happened, it's you who needs to forgive. You're already forgiven. Tell where that word came from. Archery. Archery term. Sin means to literally miss the mark. That would be me. Archery. <laughs> I'd be sinning all over the place. Okay, your turn. It's, it's so important to remember these things because people come with the big words and the big phrases and the ways to do it, and it doesn't matter. What matters is that you know you missed the mark and you go ahead. You pick yourself up, go on again. I, I don't know how many times people have punished themselves infinitely because of their sin, which was not a sin. It was a mistake that happened that they need to get over. And that's really, I think, one of the things that we really must remember. Get over it. You're not here to suffer for all eternity. You're here first not to make any mistakes you can stop, and two, to clear up the other ones. How do you clean them them up? Get busy. Be with other people. Use your ears. Listen and talk to them. Remember, you don't need answers. You need heart and love and that Holy Spirit that expresses as God. Yep, that does it. You're already forgiven, right? That's it. My little bag of tricks is coming undone. Uh-oh. Okay, your turn. Well, my, oh, dear. I thought I just did one. No, I did, didn't I do that one? I got two more. You, how do you keep doing that? I don't know. What do, oh, boy. Here we go. What do you feel happens after death of the body? Whose? Anyone's. <laughs> Anyone's. I didn't want us both to go down and knock heads. I saw that happening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What do you think? Answer, well, go for it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm anxious to find out, but I'm not particularly anxious to go through the process. Yeah. Explain that to you. I think it's going to be utterly fascinating. I, I have a quote, and I know I've told you about it before, but I'm going to use it again because I just love it. Prabhavananda, who was a wonderful teacher from the Vedanta Society, was here in Los Angeles for quite a while. One day he was in the Vedanta Society over on Vedanta Place in Hollywood, and a woman was talking to him, and she said, Swani, uh, to belong to Vedanta, do I have to believe in reincarnation? And he was reading his book, and he said, no, it is not required that you believe. And she said, well, good, because I enjoy the philosophy of Vedanta, I enjoy all of that, but I do not believe in reincarnation. When you die, you're dead, and that's it. And if I had to believe in reincarnation, I couldn't belong to Vedanta. And this wonderful man looked and he said, All right, but you're in for a wonderful surprise when you die. That's what I think is going to happen a wonderful surprise. And one of the things we're doing in living this life and loving and being together is building that surprise so that we can know a wonderful surprise when we die. 
See, and this is why I love doing these Q and A's. I was so excited when we sat down Friday and we went over some of these questions because I'm like, we're like right here, but we come at them slightly differently. And sometimes, again, it's the same end place, but we look at them, we frame them differently. Because for me, I got to back way, way up, literally to the beginning. In the beginning, there was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So in the beginning, there was God. There was not God and stuff. There was not God and matter. There was God and the Word. Right? We can agree on that? Okay. That means that all that is comes from God, not the stuff and God, from God. Okay? Does that make sense? So that means we are individualized expressions of God. So what happens when this container goes? We return to that original place. We return to the collective consciousness until it's time to come back and place more. Because I think that's what we're here to do. We're here to play, right? I think so. Everybody having fun? Yeah? Okay, we're here to play. That's my take. All right, is it my turn? I think it's your turn. It's my turn. No, it's your turn. Okay. Okay. I'm going to take this one. And I don't know what it is, but I had three, so you're Uh-oh. not the only ones. Ooh, this is that great big deep mm-hmm. one. If thoughts and beliefs, beliefs create reality, where does that leave people who are victims of poverty or violence? Are we to believe that they asked to be afflicted? Shoot. You start that one off because I... I got to see where you go so I know where I'm going. (laughs) You know, thoughts and beliefs do not create reality. Reality is, we just don't see reality. We see our impression of reality. We see the things that we have been told are reality. But we don't really experience reality. You want to experience reality? Look in a child's eyes. Not with any thoughts, not with any ideas of, well, you did this, or I want to do that, or whatever. Just the depth. And look at them when they smile with their heart. And look at the world around you and see how much you have been given. Understand that if you were not here for a purpose, a reason, that wouldn't exist. This would be a very barren place with nothing for nobody. It's beautiful for you. And it's beautiful for you to share, to give to others. Not philosophically, not in some other way, just with them now. I'll give you a a dumb little example. It's not dumb, but it's a little example of that. This morning, my wife had a, a earache. She still does. She's had it for a couple of days. And I went over by her as I was getting ready for to go and I bent down and kissed her and we do that a lot if you marry somebody do that a lot and she put her hand on her ear and I reached over and I just put my hand on her ear and I started praying I said it's relaxing now it's letting go God is there it's perfect she said it's feeling better what a beautiful thing how much love 
and strength and joy can we give to each other and what a miraculous blessing it is even if it's just a little thing of you're all right. That's the reality of it. But you can't talk the reality or as somebody told me in high school you can't ophthalmocapsulize the reality. That he said was a, a praying and praying on your navel. No, you can talk about what's happening and do it. Create it. See the picture you wish to see. See the love you wish to experience for someone else and see that joy all the time. You know, religion is not an intellectual thing. It's not where you pay your money, put your ticket in the place and drive away. It's where you work with your life. It's not where you follow one particular routine so that you have it right. It's where you practice love. And while you look to every person to try to give them love and help them learn, help them to understand and smile. And I'm going to come at this question from a whole different place. Okay. Um, But it leads again to the same place. Okay, where does it lead people who are victims of poverty or violence? Victim. That's the key word. In a situation that happens in your life, do you choose to be the victim and carry that with you as a raw and constant pain? Do you choose to let that event become your life? Or can you find a way to step back from it enough to see someone else who's gone through something similar and be there in that moment with them and for them from a place of experience so that they can feel heard in a way that nobody else could possibly hear them. I think that's where that leaves the victims of poverty and violence. It is an opportunity to take ourselves out of victimhood. Is that a word? Okay, good. Out of a place of being a victim and empower us to help someone else move from that place. So that we can enjoy and love and all of that. Okay, you got to do one more. Do the thing. We're close, but we're not all the way there. Okay, now you see what I pulled out of here? Of course, you picked up a big, long one. Yeah. Yes, he did. I tried to save us from this. Uh-oh. It would be helpful to me to have more spiritual guidance in dealing with physical and emotional pain, stress, fear, anger control, and conflict to help me grow spiritually. Oh, boy, is that great. In the weekly sermons, could there be more examples of success, guidelines, actions to take that I can apply during the week? Yeah, there can be, but there can also be without the service, when you pray and pay attention to the answer. There is so much going on in this universe that we don't pay attention to. There is so much beauty, so much love, so much creativity. Is it down sometimes? Oh yeah, we're down sometimes. We're just crawling, but then we pick ourselves back up or somebody is there to help us pick ourselves up and to move on. 
We could talk about the answer to this for days. There's several sermons here, but I want to cut it short because we're running out of time, and if we don't cut it short, yep. the next time we have this, you won't come back. So, Gina, you want to give them 10 minutes? I'm, no, I'll give, them, I'll give them just a couple. This one, okay. Um, helpful to have spiritual guidance in dealing with physical and emotional pain, stress, fears, anger, control, and conflict to help us grow spiritually. We, we thought we were giving you that. <laughs> we, we thought we were giving you that in the sermons. Did you think you were giving them that in the sermons? Because I did. No. Okay. I think what's important here is that you continue to ask questions like these. When you need a tool to help you in a given situation, when you need advice to help you navigate something that you're dealing with in life, put a question in that prayer box back there. And I say we continue answering questions, one at the end of each service, until they're empty. We'll let you. I will do my best if he's going to leave me stranded. But... Keep asking the questions because then we know what it is that you need to hear because those needs change, don't they? But remember, your task is not to ask questions and stump us. That's easy. Yes. We can make up answers. Your idea is to say, hey, I'm having problems with this. Can you tell me something and see if we can help? It's just like being out at the door or leaving church or coming in. Or just being together. That's how we communicate. We share our love, our our knowledge, our forgiveness, all those little things. Hmm? You got it. So, we've pretty much done it today. How do you like this type of a sermon? Cool. Thank you. Thank you. We will do one again when they talk me into it. Uh... (laughs) And now Maggie's going to do the collection.